Chris is going to come and share, man, he's going to kind of build off of that, uh, and, and, and he's got a powerful message for us tonight about, man, God's perspective on grief, man, how, how he wants us to recover from those kind of things. So you guys give it up for Chris. Uh, man, what a reception. Wow. Crazy. Everyone. I'm so excited to be talking to you today and sharing what God has put on my heart about um, about grief and and healing. Um, because as we know, we've had a rough couple of months here in Memphis um, recently. So God's really been putting on my heart that you know I learned a lot earlier this year about grief um, and just to to use what I've learned, to use what the Lord has taught me to help you know help us process these awful things that happen in our lives and just. Throughout that. So, starting off, I'm a bit of a procrastinator. Um, so, I didn't write any notes for this. I got no scriptures, no nothing. I'm just kind of <laughs> just kidding. I prepared for this. Um, but, has anybody ever lost something they needed for an assignment at like the very last minute? You had to turn something in, you just kind of forgot about it? I see you, one and the same, one and the same. All right, yeah. So, one, one time, um, this was my very last class of college ever, um, I was writing a paper, I was almost done. And I was at home, and our power went out. The assignment was due at 11.59 that night. Um, our power went out. So I frantically um, emailed my professor and said, hey, <laughs> I have the assignment. It's almost done, but we don't have any power. So I can't turn on my computer, can't get on Word and finish that and turn it in. Is there any way I can turn it in tomorrow? No response. <laughs> um, I was like frantically just walking back and forth in our house our dark house with candles on, and just like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get this turned in? Thankfully, God worked that out. Um, it was due at 11.59. Our power came back on at 10.30 p.m. <laughs> so I, I was bracing to, to get that finished. Um, and that was not a fun hour and a half. Um, so I wouldn't recommend doing that. Please do your work on time. Um, but when I thought I was not going to be able to turn that paper in on time, and I, my professor did not respond to me, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be awful, I was devastated. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I just lost this, like, 20-something page paper I was writing. Like, I, I hate this. I'm so, I'm so bad. I, I, I'm just struggling so much. Um, and that, like, as silly as that is, like, that, that is grief. That's a form of grief. I was grieving not being able to graduate, not being able to get my diploma. Um, but in, like, in all seriousness, grief is a feeling of deep sorrow uh, over the loss of someone or something. And I'm going to tell you guys a, a story from the Bible. And before we get there, um, I kind of have a lot of backstory to give to you guys to kind of get to this point. And so that we can understand together what that grief looks like and why uh, this kind of happens in the Bible. So um, we're going to be reading out of 2 Samuel, and if you know anything about 2 Samuel, it's all about King David and his very, very, very dysfunctional family, um, and specifically talking about one of his sons. So he had this son named Absalom, and Absalom was a very handsome dude. He had this long, flowing hair. He was very charming. Um, scripture says he lived in great style. He drove a magnificent chariot, 50 men running in front of him. He was like the dude. He was like the it guy. Everybody loved him. He was so hot. He was so cool. My, my icon, honestly. Um, but like, despite all these cool things he had, he did not have an easy life. Um, 
Later on into his adulthood, um, his half-brother, Amnon, who was the heir to the throne, David's firstborn, um, assaulted his sister. So Absalom's sister and Amnon's half-sister. Um, he tricked her into thinking he was sick when they were alone. He did some really bad things to her. Um, Absalom was obviously very upset with this. He was not happy. He was angry at his brother. Um, David was also angry. However, this being his first son, this being the one who was the heir to the throne, he was very privileged in the household. Um, he was not given accountability. He was not punished. David said, this is my baby boy. He messed up. I'm not even going to punish him. Boo, that's right. Um, so, like, two years went by. Nothing. David didn't even acknowledge it. Nothing happened. His, you know, Absalom's sister was just hurting. She was in pain. She was struggling. And nothing. Um, so after that two years, Absalom just kind of took it into his own hands. Um, he had his servants kill his half-brother, um, knowing that this was David's favorite son. And if you ask Matt, Jackie, or Natalie, it's not a good idea to have a favorite son or a favorite child at all. Um, but David did. He had a favorite son, and his favorite son was killed. Um, so Absalom knew, okay, I just killed like this guy who did this terrible crime. He deserved it, but... Now my dad's going to be really mad at me, so I'm just going to run away. He went into hiding in the, ter in the territory of uh, Geshur. And that was for about three years he spent there um, until David accepted him back in. So David was just grieving over his son every day for three years um, until he could finally look at his firstborn son's grave and be at peace. Um, that was a very long process. And over this time, um, even over the two years of no action, over the three years of just being away from home, Absalom had, been, had built up this, this anger, this resentment towards his father. Um, he saw him as just this uncaring, unforgiving person. Um, and that was for five years. That does a lot to your brain. Um, so he was finally accepted back into Israel, but he was not the same person he was when he left. Um, he has been changed through his grief. His grief for his sister, his grief for his half-brother, who he wanted to kill. Um, his grief for his way of life, for his status. Um, all these things just built up over those five years have changed him tremendously. Um, so he began to think that, you know, my father David is an awful king. He doesn't punish his subjects well. He lets some people get away with some things that they shouldn't get away with. He doesn't punish crimes right. I'm going to do it right. So he came back into the city, and he started talking to people. Um, he built up support among David's kind of disaffected subjects, saying, you know, oh, this king doesn't care about you. I'm going to treat you right. When I'm your king, I'm going to do it right. Um, so he did this for four years. So this was premeditated. He was doing this for a long time. Um, until one day, Absalom finally built up enough support to declare himself king, and he just revolted against his father. Uh, so David had to run while his armies fought Absalom's armies. And David knew this was war. He knew that you know, he was the king. He had the rightful throne. Um, his son was also trying to take it, but he loved his son. So he told his army, whatever you do, whatever you do, bring him back alive. If you find him, bring him back alive. Um, and while riding into battle one day, um, Absalom, with his long flowing hair, gets that stuck in a tree. And he's hanging from the tree by his hair. Um, <laughs> it is kind of silly. Um, but his cousin... His cousin Joab, who is David's nephew and 
one of the big guys in the uh, Israel army, saw this perfect opportunity. He could either take him back to his king, like the king asked, um, and maybe be able to build up some, you know, some, some forgiveness there, or he could kill this man who was trying to kill his father, who was trying to kill his king and his uncle, um, and say, I'm going to please my uncle, the king, by killing my adversary. So he killed it. So the soldiers are off celebrating. We won the war. Our king's adversary is dead. We, we're good. We're safe. Dave, king David can come back and live in peace. So they sent some messengers up to tell David that his main adversary had been killed. These messengers came by, and they said, like, David, you're king now. You're good. You're free. And David's like, what about Absalom? Is he okay? The next guy comes and says, David, your kingdom is free. You're here. You're the king. Is Absalom okay? And then the guy says, you know, may all your future adversaries have the same fate as the last one. And that's when it just broke to David that, you know, my son is dead. Um, so the soldiers are celebrating. They're all happy. This was not good news for David. Um, so 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 33, says the king was shaken. And in the original text, this shaken, like he was literally shaking. He could not move. He was just shaking back and forth. He could not do anything other than that. He went up into the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So David was known for writing songs and poetry in a lot of his hardest times. He even wrote songs when he was on the run from his son who was trying to kill him. Um, but he didn't write anything in this time after he found out his son was dead. Um, he couldn't do anything. All he could do was just sit there and grieve and weep and be in that pain and experience that pain. Um, so much to the point that you know, his own nephew, the guy who killed his son, uh, has to tell him, like, King David, like, you're lowering the morale of all your soldiers. They think they lost the war because of how you're responding. Um, so David has to kind of get back up and go into his business. And he's kind of interrupted in his grieving process. Um, and, you know, during this whole time, David's saying to himself, if only I had died instead of you. If only I could have punished my firstborn for his crimes earlier. Um, both my sons would still be alive. If only I'd gotten over his death quicker and welcomed Absalom back sooner. If only I could have been the one to find him in the tree so that I could rescue him and bring him back home. If only I could reconcile our relationship earlier. If only, if only, if only. These are things we tell ourselves all the time when we're experiencing, you know, when we see some sort of grief, some sort of loss, some sort of pain, we say, if only I did this different. If only I did that different. Um, but we really can't change the past. We can't go anywhere and do anything back. That's just harping on ourselves. And, um, it takes us into a real dark place, takes us real um, bad and just scary and in this dark, dark place where David was in this moment. So David never got to reconcile his relationship with his son. Um, Absalom was killed in a vulnerable state by someone wishing to take revenge and to impress his uncle. So David was just grieving. His son didn't deserve this. Despite the awful things that he did, despite trying to kill his own father, David didn't want this for his son. And David was in deep grief over the loss of his son, the loss of a person. But we don't just grieve over, you know, the dead. That's definitely something we grieve over. And when we talk about grief, that's the first thing we think of. We can also grieve over a lot of other things. And I want us to kind of keep this in mind because there are a lot of pains that happen in our life that might not be losing someone. 
um, but they are still grieved, they're still traumatic, they still cause that pain. We can grieve relationships, we can grieve our status, our jobs, you know, our previous way of life. I think all of us grieve like February 2020. Um, we grieve our health, our wealth, our scholarships, our friends, all these things. We can grieve when we lose these things. Um, and you know, if I leave it at this, saying David was grieving, David was really at pain, that would like be the most incomplete message you guys have ever heard. Um, because I only mentioned half of the grief journey. I mean, half of it, what David went through, is really difficult, is really hard. And at the time, he did not have this way of grieving healthily, this way of grieving the way God intended. He was rushed by his nephew to go serve his people. Um, he did not have time to process that. Um, but whenever you suffer any, some, any sort of pain, loss, grief, trauma, we can't just leave it at that suffering part because it's going to hurt us, it's going to harm us, that's not going to help us heal. That's not what God wants, that's not, what, that's not who he is. Um, we read in the book of Revelation that you know, one day God will create a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no pain, no suffering, no loss. Um, but until that day comes, what do we do? So I want to read another story um, from the book of Mark, chapter 5. Um, and this is a story of the healing that God provides to us. Um, so a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman who was there, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see people crowding around you, his disciple answered, his disciple answered and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around because he knew who had done it. He wanted to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what, she had, what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And this woman was grieving a lot. She was grieving her social status. She was sick, so she was not allowed to be around people. She was grieving her health. She was very sick. A lot of money lost on doctors who were not able to help her. She was at the end of her rope, and she went to Jesus, because that was all she had left. Um, but as we can see, her faith is the one thing that healed her. So just like she was healed through her faith, we can also be healed through ours, both physically and emotionally. Um, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus went on the cross, he took all of our pain, all of our grief, all of our suffering, everything that ever happened to us and everything that will ever happen to us onto himself so that he could give his load, which was light, that was gentle onto us. So he could remove the pains, remove the grief that we go through and put it on him and give us his easy, easy load. So when we think about um, you know, what this healing looks like, it is a constant process of bringing the pain to Jesus. And just like that woman, we have to have faith. We have to be bold enough to call out to Jesus, to reach out to him. 
Um, and we just need to be have that perspective that God has to show us that Jesus is the one who can heal us from our grief, from our pain, from our suffering. Um, so I'm going to tell you guys something a bit personal. Um, and this has kind of helped shape this story, something I've had to do over and over and over again. Um, so on August 5th of this year, um, I heard some news from one of my friends that another one of my friends had gone missing. Um, no one had heard from him in like a week. Um, no one had knew where he went, knew where he was going. Um, he gave some false information about where he was going, where he was heading. Um, later that day, um, they found his body. Um, this person who I had talked to just a week prior, we were laughing, we were having fun, um, no longer was no longer here on earth. Um, and it was a very, very tough time for me. Um, I was in a very dark place, just very scared, very nervous, like no, no answers. Nobody knows why he went where he went. Nobody knows what happened really. Um, a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of things that you know, I'll just never know while I'm alive. And thankfully I'd had training beforehand earlier in the year to, to process this grief. Um, so once I had gotten over you know, the initial shock of the news, I knew what I had to do because I knew I could not just sit in this grief because that would take me in a very, very dark place. That would take me down a dark road that I do not need to be going down. Um, so I just prayed for what felt like hours, for what felt like days. Um, I just prayed um, and brought this to Jesus. So, you know, Jesus, I don't know what happened. I don't know where he went. I don't know why he decided to do this. I don't know what was going on through his mind or what had happened to him. Um, but Lord, I know that you're watching over me. You can take this pain off of me. You can take this guilt from me. You can take this grief from me. Um, and he did. And then the next day came, cried again, brought it to Jesus again, and so on, and so on, and so on. This is not a one-and-done process. Um, to heal from our grief is a journey. It's something we have to do over and over and over again um, for years after the fact. I can get to a place where I don't even think about his death anymore, um, where I will still get in those moments of grief and have to bring it to Jesus again. And as we move through our lives, we're going to get more and more things that happen to us you know, that's just expected on earth. There's people who just don't make the best decisions. There's sin. There's broken the world. There's just all these awful things that cause awful things to happen in the world. It's something that we don't want, something God doesn't want, um, but it's something we have to live with while we're here. And Jesus gives us that one way out. And that one way out is to put our burdens, put our pain on him, put our grief on him because he can handle it. Um, I know I cannot handle it, um, so I'm very thankful that he has that for us because I cannot do it on my own. Um, so all this to say that grief is a, a difficult process. It's a difficult journey. Uh, it's something that we all go through, something that affects us all um, at one point in our life or another. Um, and just on this note, understanding that healing is part of the grieving process. So while we are still grieving, God wants us to heal. He's presenting this information to us. He's presenting these stories, presenting these people and friends. I have had so many good conversations with so many good friends um, who have just helped me process this grief more. People who have given me God's perspective on this that I did not have because I was not in the right mindset to handle this. Um, and God has just used the people in my life to really give me um, that perspective. Um, so through, you know, through our relationships with others, through scripture, through our prayer with God, 
He can heal any wounds we have. Um, and it's something we have to keep bringing up over and over and over again. Um, so you, know, you can go through something, you can pray about it, you can feel good for a day, and you can be in so much pain the next day. And that is okay, that's expected, that is normal. Um, you should not feel guilty for how you feel. You should not be, feel guilty for grieving, for not doing you know, all the things you need to do because you're grieving, you're in pain. God understands that pain. He understands that happening, that's happening to you. He doesn't want it to happen, but he understands what you're going through and he gives you a way out. Um, so I'm going to, I've asked some of the staff to come up here and we just want to help you guys process grief. Um, so in just a second, we're going to come up here and we're going to pray for you guys. And if you want to, you know, if you have anything on your mind, anything you're grieving, and that could be a relationship, that could be a job, that could be money, health, anything. Um, we want to help you heal through that. Um, but before then, I want to say, if you have never had the opportunity to ask Jesus to heal you um, from, your, from your suffering, from your grief, I want to give you guys, I want to give you guys that chance tonight. Because um, it's not fair to not share what I have with you all. Um, so if you'll just bow your heads. Um, and those who have not made this decision, just pray this prayer with me if you're ready. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord. I know that you've died to take on my sins, to take on my grief, to take on my pain and my shame, Lord. I understand the sacrifice that you made on the cross all those years ago, God. Um, thinking of me, thinking of my friends and the pain that we've gone through and the things that have happened to us and the people in our community and the people in our lives, God. But we understand that you showed us Three days later, you broke out of the grave, Lord. You came running, and you showed so many people who you were, what you could do. Lord, and I believe that. Lord, I know that because you were able to handle that, all that was put onto you, only you can help heal us from this grief, from this pain that we're feeling, Lord. Um, so I want to give this up to you tonight. In your son Jesus' name.